morning, I'm not the normal guy who's up here, but I'm very honored and, and privileged that I get to spend the next three weeks with you um, going through a series that I'm going to uh, title Soul Detox. Because uh, you ever thought of it this way, that our culture is dying for your attention? You ever thought of it that way? That it's, it's up to us, really, when, when our culture is trying to sell us things and trying to give us things and saying we've got to live this way, really, they're dying for our attention. And so it's because we give them our attention that they continue to try to influence our lives. And if we stopped letting that happen, if we stopped and said no, enough's enough, then our culture would die. And so I want to just journey with you for the next three weeks in, in how do we detox, how do we live clean lives in a contaminated world. How many of you guys are familiar with the, what I, in my opinion, a very underrated guitarist and artist, but a guy by the name of John Mayer? How many of you guys are afraid? Okay, you've heard of this guy? Okay, perfect. So, I don't know if you're aware of this, but John Mayer, um, dude can shred on guitar, nobody's questioning that. But there was like, it was like five years ago where he just kind of up and left, like just out of nowhere. A guy was making music like crazy. It was like, whoa, John's everywhere. And then all of a sudden, whoosh, he was gone. And then about two years ago, you know, two, three years ago, whatever it was, now he resurfaced and came out with this really weird album of like all kind of acoustic, folky kind of stuff, wearing this weird hat. And you're like, dude, what's going on? Do you have a midlife crisis kind of a thing? And he did, a, he did an interview with the magazine. He kind of explains what happened. And what happened was is he had let so many people influence himself by what they said about him because he had, you know, Googled himself or just, you know, you hear stuff. Right? When you're that big, you hear stuff. And I don't know if you guys know this, but John wasn't always the most popular guy around the block. Especially if he made a song and he had like a, a woman co-write a song with him and it was like, oh. Like he was that guy. And so for a long time, John had gotten this reputation of being that guy and so it just left. And what was interesting of what he said though, about kind of stars and, and our culture. And he said this, he said, you know, movie stars and, and pop stars and musicians, whoever, they'll spend thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars on security for their houses, you know, buying bodyguards, having them protect them 24 hours a day. They'll set up safeguards by putting fences around their house, whatever it is. Like they spend so much money putting up security all around their lives and then every morning they'll wake up and they'll open up their, their laptop or their tablet and they'll read what people say about them. They'll Google themselves and they'll see what, what the latest and greatest thing is about me. And he said eventually it just got so much, the poor eyes had to go. So he literally went off the, off the grid to some cabin in the woods for like a year to get away from it all. That's how much influence our culture can have in our lives. And so I wonder this morning, how much is our culture influencing you? How much are you letting in? What guards, if any, are you putting up for yourself? How much does people and the world around you have a say in what you do and how you think and how you act? See, influences like this are toxic, especially if they're left unchecked. They can become toxic if left unchecked and unchallenged. And they can and they will destroy us. See, I want to look at a, at a probably very familiar story in the, in the Bible this morning. Um, it's found in 1 Samuel 17. If you want to turn there with me, please do so. It's the story of David and Goliath. We've heard it a thousand times, some of us. 
But I want to look at something maybe at a little, di- little bit of a different angle this morning, especially when it comes to influences. And I want Davis to be able to teach that I believe Jesus is, is kind of given four things that we can learn from this passage. So I want to start reading in verse 32, and this is through 40, and it says this. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him, talking about Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by the beard and struck him and killed him. Yeah, David's a bad dude. (laughs) Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defiled and defied the armies of the living God. And so David said to him, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Continuing on. Then Saul clothed David in his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. And David strapped on his sword over his armor, and he tried in vain to go, for he had not tested them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not tested them. So David put them off, and then he took his staff in his hand and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. Now I do, I believe there are four things in this that we can kind of take away when it comes to what influences us. Number one, know when it's time to be still and know when it's time to act. In other words, don't be an over-eager Christian. Okay, don't be an over-eager Christian. Don't be that guy who when they're standing in the batter's box, let three pitches go by you and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm out. But in the on-deck circle, you're taking huge swings. You're like, I got this all day long. You're talking your buddies in the dugout, home run all day long, right over that fence, right over there. And you're, yeah, this is so great. Then you step in the box and it's like, whoo, whoo, whoo. Game over. Don't be that guy. We don't want to talk a big game. We want to be ready for the big game. So now in this story, David wasn't in the middle of the war. In fact, he was actually out getting food for his brothers who were in the war. But I'm wondering, because David wasn't looking for the fight so much. But I'm wondering how, much, how, much, how many of us this morning are looking for that fight. How many of us are looking at the news and looking at social media and looking at things, however we gain information, we're looking at some of this stuff, and we get so frustrated and we get, ah, we get so clenched up and tight-fisted and angry and, ah, I just want to do something, I just want to say something. Do you realize that no other point in human history have we had a platform and as loud of a voice as we do today through social media? You can go and you can go on any, I mean, Google, Facebook, whatever it is, you can go and you can look up any event that's going on around the world. And you can chime in, you can go on open forums, you can get on a Facebook feed and you can type away what you think and you can give your two cents whether they want it or not. We have the loudest voice that we've ever had in human history, but what does it cause? What is the result? People just get angry. (laughs) It just becomes this absolute feed after feed after feed of a message board that's blowing up. And it becomes more about cyber yelling 
than it does about healing. And I believe we go into those with the absolute best intentions, but we're too overeager. We're too ready to go. See, God has given us a mandate. He has shown us, oh man, how we're supposed to live. And essentially we say it's to live 6-8. It's to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly. I've known people, though, that have said the exact same thing. Absolutely, I'm on, I'm on the same page. And I'm really good at doing justice all day long. I'll look a person up and down right in the eyes and just say, yeah, truth. But I'm not so great at the walking humbly part. Right? They're, they're so ready to give the truth and so ready to spit it right back at them. But they don't do it with any sort of love or any sort of grace. And I believe that Jesus would say that if that's the case, if we're living out this mandate, if we're called to live out this mandate, that it's one idea. That's why in Micah 6, 8, the idea of doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly is separated by commas and not periods. There's one period at the end of that because it's one idea. And so we can't boast and say, well, I'm really good at this part of Micah 6, 8, but not so bad at this one. I would say that if that's the case, then we have the entire mandate to work on. Because one flows out of the other. In fact, it's so easy for us to want to stand up for truth, but it's very difficult for us to humble ourselves before Jesus and walk with him. And we so badly don't want to be influenced by the outside world that we want to be influencers, but we actually end up becoming what I'm going to call, because in my day, we didn't want to be a Bible thumper. Right, that was that was, you didn't want to be a Bible thumper. Like, well, I just want to be like everyone else, so I don't become a Bible thumper. So you walk out of somebody, love Jesus. You know, like I don't understand where that ter- term came from, but why not? Hit people with Bibles. But I want to I want to maybe coin a new phrase this morning. Is this? It's free speech bullies. Or because we have so much free speech, we have such a loud voice that we take it too far. We overstep our bounds. And we need to remember when it's time to sit and listen and be still and when it's time to act. See, David's example here is that he wasn't in the fight, but he saw the fight and he knew when it was time to step up. He knew it was time to step up. So don't shy away from fights, but know when it's your time to step up. Don't be an overeager Christian. Even if it seems like there are giant hurdles in life, you are where you are for a reason. All of your pain is for a reason. Both good and bad, God uses our experiences to grow us, to refine us. So don't be afraid to step up because hurdles are meant to be jumped over. Which leads me to number two. Hurdles can hurt unless we jump. Everybody say jump. Everybody say jump. There we go. Remember, I'm youth. I'm used to like, woo, jump. Like, I mean, screaming, okay? So I'll take that one, though. Jump. That's good. But have you ever seen somebody eat it while they're trying to jump over a hurdle? It's a little funny. Like, I'm not going to lie to you. It's one of those things where there's something about watching people fall. Like, I could watch it all day long. It's just it never gets old, but you still feel bad. You're like, oh, but it's the ones where they fall and then they get right back up. Those are the ones you laugh hysterically because they're okay. But it's still funny that they fell. Because, see, I'm not a track person, and it was mainly because, you know, track and baseball season were in the same thing. No, I don't like to run. That's the real issue. That's the, I'm not a runner. I can go, like, 90 feet, and that's it. Like, it's like, woo, sprint to first base, game over, I'm done. Woo, and I'm, <sighs> I'm breathing hard, yeah. That's as far as I can run. So when people are like, I'm going to just go out and run a marathon, 
you're crazy, there's something wrong with you, and Jesus, get rid of that demon inside you who wants to make you run. That's crazy. It's okay to joke like that. That's crazy to me. Absolutely crazy. Especially when they're trying to jump over hurdles and it's like a sprint of like, and you're just like waiting the whole time. You're like, come on, somebody eat it. But what's not so funny is seeing someone trip up in life and can't seem to get over a hurdle in life where you, you see the addict go back time and time again. You see the abuser make all kinds of progress and then snap. You listen as someone is set free and then you watch them back, backpedal into fear. That's the stuff that just breaks my heart, and I believe it breaks our Father's heart. See, hurdles in life can be influences. They can make us feel like we're not good enough. In fact, for David, it was the fact that he was young. He was a youth. I can relate to that. It was a hurdle. See, the enemy isn't always going to come at you straight on. Okay, the enemy's always going to look for the kink that's in your armor. He's going to look for your weak spot. He's going he's gonna to... See you out, check you out, and go right there, that right there, there, there it is. There's the kink. Hit him there, hit him there. He knows, he's smart. He's smart, he's not going to come at you head on to where you're like, okay, here he comes. Here he comes, I'm prepared. Here we go, no. He's going to come like a thief in the night and hit you where you don't expect it. So let me ask you, where's your weak spot? Do you know where your weak spot is? Are you aware of, of what trips you up? Are you aware of the trigger that when, you, when you're doing something, you know, like, ah, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Not, this is going to take me somewhere. I don't want to go there. And yet you keep going. Do you know what that trigger is in your life? Do you know what influences you to go to that extra step? See, for David, his age was an issue. He knew that the outside world, he didn't have much strength. He was smaller than all of his brothers. And yet he can come back with, and this is like basically, I, this is how I imagine David talking to Saul. He's like, bro, I've punched a line in the face. Everybody say, hashtag argument over. Like, seriously. Turn to your neighbor and tell two people, hashtag argument over. Go ahead. Hashtag argument over. Because when you can say that to somebody, you're like, dude, I've punched a line in the face. What are they going to tell you? Argument over. Because past experiences, whether they've been good or bad, needs to be something that we find strength in. Both, good or bad, we need to find strength in those things because God uses those experiences in life to grow us, to stretch us. And I'm sure when David saw a lion like coming after him or taking one of his sheep, he wasn't like, yes, here we go. He was probably terrified. But God was with him, and he was able to call upon that strength that he found in his heavenly father. See, because in verse 37, it says this, And David said, The Lord who delivered me, everyone say delivered, the, delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And so Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. See, when we have Jesus as an influencer in our lives, those influences no longer have any kind of a foothold in our lives. And that's such good news. That's such good news because now we're no longer bound by what people say or what people do or how they act because we can't expect unredeemed people to live redeemed lives. So we have to be different. 
we have to be different. And through that, we're restored to freedom through Jesus Christ, which leads me to number three. Use what you know and then grow. See, when Saul tries to give David his armor, it's because he still didn't believe that David had what it took to take on this massive Philistine. So he's like, okay, you can go, I guess, if you're not going to take no for an answer, but I'm going to armor you up, give you helmets, give you all kinds of stuff, because I am not going to have your head on my conscience. And I know when I became a parent and got married or started college or any other big step in my life, people always asked me, are you ready for this? And I would always respond, nope. (laughs) No, I'm not. Imagine this. I wonder how many of you guys have 18-year-olds. But at 18 years old, I was engaged. And I was working part-time at a Papa Murphy's. And my wife was working part-time at a smoothie shack. Yeah. Here come the Stoles' world watch out. So, I mean, you can imagine why people were like, are you ready for this? Are you prepared for this? No. I am not. But I would always couple it with this thing because I honestly believed it. It was that, no, I'm not ready for this, but I know that God is. I had to tell someone very near and dear to me who asked me that question, I had to tell them that. I had to say, no, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what it's going to look like. But you know what? I do know that God has got us in his hands because I know I'm supposed to marry that woman. I know that I'm supposed to get a degree. I know I'm supposed to become a pastor, and I know I'm supposed to build God's church. And so when, when people come to you and they want to influence you and say, are you ready? Are you sure? Because of the outside world, we were not ready. <laughs> Believe you me. When I became a parent at age 21, we were not ready. <laughs> Believe me. People ask me that all the time. Were you ready? Pfft. No. I had never held a baby until I held my boy. Which is kind of a cool thing because I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, yeah. I did that. I mean, toward, like, when Crystal got pregnant with Jeremiah, it became like something I was like, I'm not holding any babies. I want to hold my son. I want him to be the first baby that I hold. But you can imagine that handoff when the doctor's like, here you go, Ken. And I'm like, oh, like so terrified, right? So terrified. But I knew that the things that I had experienced in life, I had so many great mentors. I had so many people who I looked to who were great dads, great husbands. They were great pastors, and I was able to look at them and learn from them and say, I know what I should know. Everything else, God is going to get me through. God is going to get me through. See, because I was resilient. I started another job, which paid a lot better. I went to school during the day. I worked at night. I did ministry in between those two and never slept. It was hard, but I'm still standing. God got us through. I'm still amazed when I look back at my life and I look and I say, wow, Chris and I do this yearly. Maybe it's something you can try. Chris and I do this yearly. When we have our anniversary, part of our anniversary is literally sitting down and just reminiscing over the years. And we talk about, like, oh, remember that day in high school when we met? It's so we don't forget. It's so we don't forget so we can call upon what God has taught us over the years. Because when David tried on the armor, he took it off because he had not tested them he had to go back to what he knew now the other crazy thing is is that well maybe this isn't going to be so easy for some of us to hear but hopefully it'll bring some relief that no matter how plain you feel you are it's enough 
no matter how simple, lackadaisical, plain you feel you are, what you've let other people tell you, what maybe you've told you to yourself, it's enough. God is ready to use you. Because David used rounded stones that were put in his shepherd's bag to fight Goliath. I'm sure he could have grabbed any kind of another bag or something that had a little bit of armor or a shield or something. But David used what he knew because they were tried and true and they were tested. Just because it may seem plain to you or life experiences that seemed really hard to you, it's because God was refining you and using that to grow you. David knew he was ready. See, the battle was different, but the enemy was the same. Because our culture, you guys, is going to try to get in, as we talked about before, our culture is going to try and force our hand to compromise in areas that we know to be true. And they're going to push against the Bible. They're going to push against our Father. They're going to push against what we believe. But David didn't stay a shepherd. In fact, he became a king. A little bit of a <laughs> then and now. He became a king. So he grew. He learned. He fell in love with God. But in that moment, he wasn't a king. In that moment, he couldn't call upon the armies, the royal armies. Because you know what? The royal army was already there, and they were scared out of their pants to fight this guy. He couldn't call upon them yet because he wasn't the king. So he knew what he knew, and he had to act on what he knew. But what did David really possess that was so miraculous? He didn't have armor. He used stones. He was small. He was young. But he had a focus on God like none other. That's why he's called a man after God's own heart. And so for us, this fourth point is this. Laser-like focus on Jesus is going to overwhelm our influences. See, keeping your eyes on Jesus means that toxic influences in our lives are going to be kept at bay. They're not going to stop. Because again, culture is always going to try to getting in. They're not going to stop. But that's why we're told to fight the good fight. In Proverbs 4, 23, it says this. Above all else. Okay, at that moment, we should pay attention. Just FYI, if you're ever reading a passage and in God's word it says, above all else, listen up. <laughs> above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Are you guarding what gets in? Are you guarding what gets in? Do you have safeguards in your life? Do you have things that are going to help protect you and yours against the enemy? See, this morning, I want to close and I want to challenge us to do something starting today. And hopefully this just becomes something that, that we do. And something that becomes very regular in our lives. Because I don't want us to be concert Christians. Okay, concert, concert Christians are this. Concert Christians are when, I don't know if you guys have seen like Toby Mac in concert or anything. Okay, I've seen Toby Mac, and because I've seen Toby Mac in concert, I go, oh, yeah, I, I know Toby Mac. We're bros. Absolutely. Me and him, pff, we're buddies. That's not how it works. <laughs> I saw him, put on a great show, and then I went home. 
But I wonder how many of us are like that with Jesus where we come to church and we're like, bro, me and Jesus, woo, we're bros. Absolutely. And then we go home for the six days, the rest of the six days of the week, and we live for ourselves and become very selfish and self-centered, and we cry out and we say, I love you, Jesus. You're awesome. How do you think my wife feels, not saying I do this, but if, if I say, honey, I love you so much. Oh, you're my everything. We cry this out to God all the time. You're my everything. I love you so much. I want to spend so much time with you. I'm going to go play golf for six hours. See ya. Don't we do that? We come to God and we say, we say, God, we love you so much on a Sunday morning. We cry out to him. We say, God, you're all that I want. You're all that I need. Holy Spirit, may your presence be known in this place. Six days of the week. See you next Sunday. <laughs> how, how awful is that love if that's how we act? Now, I've got some water here. And depending on your philosophical bent, this is either half empty or half full. For me, it's half full. I'm always a half full kind of guy. And, and really, life is something that when we, when we allow influences to come in our lives, it's very simple, right? We, we read something that makes us upset. Oh, man. It's starting to spread. Because we let it in. Somebody says something really mean to us at, at school or, or, or at work, and oh, man. Here we go, it's let in. And slowly but surely, things keep dripping into our lives to where eventually we're like, oh man. And it just starts to spread. And it just starts to spread. And it just starts to spread. Before we know it, we look at our lives, we look at our souls, we look at what's inside and we go, ugh, what is this? So this is why I'm calling this series Soul Detox. Because there needs to become a time where we detox our souls and our souls shouldn't look like this. And my, my challenge to us is, is simple. It's very simple. If you don't want your life to look like that, then you need to spend time with the one that gives life. You need to spend time with the one that gives joy, that gives peace that actually changes you from the inside out instead of the outside in. But here's the problem. We can't just go, oh, oh we're going to go to church. I'm good now. Oh, oh I'm just going I'm, I'm to sing a few songs really loud in my car. Oh, there we go. We're good now. Oh, I, I, oh, I heard this really awesome serving opportunity, and they're going to have food afterwards, which I love, and so I'm going to go, and I'm going to serve, and oh, oh, man. That's not much better. We may change the color, but the toxicity is still the same. See, instead, what we, what we need to do is we need to spend time with God. We need to spend hours a week with God, not minutes. Because here's the thing, when, when we spend alone time with our Father, when we get alone with Him, when we have a, we call it a devotion, call it quiet time, whatever you want to call it. When you separate time of your day and you say, hey, Dad, Abba Father, big man, I just want to hang out. Can we hang out? And we do that daily, 
when we do that daily, this becomes something that is like, okay, now we're talking. There's an overflow of what God wants to do in our lives because no longer is it something that's coming from the outside in is now coming from the outside, sorry, inside out. That's very important. That's very important. And so if we are not spending time with our Father, then what are we doing? It's one of the most simple things we can do in our daily walks is to daily spend time with our Father. So I want to ask you a really, really hard question. When's the last time you've spent any sort of real amount of time with God? Real amount of time. And again, not just like a, oh, I'll just kind of go to church and, oh, we'll read my Bible a little bit. No. When's the last time that you have for six days straight from Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you were like, Jesus, I want all of you, man. I want all that you have to bring. When was the last time you did that? Because look, now we're talking. Now that water is, you're like, hey, that's clear. And that is, that is what's so amazing about spending time with your father is he will detox your soul. If we take the mandate and we say every single day, I'm going to spend time with my father. Guess what? The world's going to look a little different. The outlook on life's going to look a little different. The relationship that's a little strained. It's going to get better. But the problem is, is we get so excited. We're like, yes, Jesus, you and me, man. I'm going to spend one morning with you. And you're like, awesome. I did it. Then the next morning, you're like, oh, man, well, I, I got this and I got that. And oh, maybe I'll kind of like, oh, I'll pray really quick. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. But when's the last time we actually spent quality time with our Father and let him pour into us like nothing else? As the team comes up, and we close in a, in a final song together. I want us to be thinking about this. I want us to be thinking about how different would my life look if I stopped letting the world outside influence me. And I went and sat in the presence of the influencer. How different would our lives look? How different would the world look around us? Just dream with me, if you will. If for the next six days... Okay, this is what I'm calling us to as a church. Y'all with me? Next six days, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We take the next six days, and we come back on Sunday, and I'm going to ask the question, because I'm here for three weeks. I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to ask the question, if, if you've spent time with your father, and how is life going for you now? And I'll be honest, I could take this week off. I'm going camping. Absolutely. My wife and I are going with family. We're going camp. We're taking the boys. It's going to be a great old time. I can take a vacation. I can say, well, hey, I'm just, I just need some me time. I need to slow things down. I'm just going to take my guitar and just diddle my way through the day. But you know what? God doesn't take vacations. And neither should our relationship with him. So wherever you find yourself this week, spend some time with him. Spend some time in his word. Spend some time with this. Because I'll be honest, it took me, 
I'll be really honest with you. It took me about a year and a half. Yeah, I would even say two years. Let's go with two years because that's more pathetic. Two years for me to stop looking at this as a textbook. When I graduated from Bible college, this was a textbook. I read this thing every day and I read it religiously because I had to. And then for two years, it was really hard for me to pick this up without going, okay, what lesson am I learning today? Instead of me looking at this book and going, this is the word breathed in by God for me to experience him day in and day out. And to help me to fall in love with him. Don't let this become a stumbling block. I'm not a reader. Ask Luke. I'm not a reader. I hate reading. But I also know that, that my father spoke these words. So now how I look at it is I'm not reading. I'm having a conversation. And when you look at these words in this book that way, when you look at it as a conversation, it's going to be a lot easier to get up maybe five minutes earlier and to spend some time with God. Go to bed five minutes earlier. Spend some time with God. Do it on your lunch break. Do it while you're driving. Maybe not reading. Praying. Find some time. Make time to spend with your father. I'll ask you next week. I will. And I'm going to hold myself to the same standard. So let's together, let's commit the next six days to draw a little bit closer as individuals and as a church to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray. And we're going to sing one last closing song. Father God, you are so amazing. You are so incredible. And I thank you as we do all the time. <laughs> thank you for what you've given us. God, it's enough. You are more than enough. God, as your word tells us over and over and over and over again, we are called to a relationship with you. God, help us to not be concert Christians. But instead, God, help us to realize the VIP pass that we have around our necks to where we can go and spend time with you backstage. God, it's amazing that you've given us that level of access to you. I hope and pray we don't take it for granted. Father, you are so good. You are so great. Holy Spirit, may your presence be in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.